Welcome to Well-Defined and Wonderful, the podcast about mathematical intricacies and beauty in mathematical analysis. Hello and welcome to Well-Defined and Wonderful. With me again is Fabian uh, from Hamburg. Yeah, and Markus from Feiberg. Okay, today we're going to talk about another invariance property of continuous functions. And uh, for this, we just recall what invariance properties of continuous functions we already saw. Fabian, which is the first one of these? So the first one, the first invariance property that we discussed was the, sequ uh, yeah, the sequential continuity or the property that a continuous function maps a convergent sequence to a convergent sequence. This was the first uh, invariance property. And then uh, in uh, a later episode, we discussed a very important theorem for continuous functions, which is the intermediate value theorem. And this gave us a new, a further invariance property, which um, can be summarized as a continuous function maps intervals to intervals. Okay, very good. So convergent sequences are mapped to convergent sequences, intervals are mapped to intervals. But now we're going to talk about um, maybe a slightly more sophisticated notion, namely that of sequential compactness. So if I think of sequential compactness, what uh, definition should I remember, Fabian? So uh, the definition that you should remember uh, would be first, we are in a setting of a metric space and a sequentially compact metric space means, um, so we need a sequence for sequential compactness and every sequence in our metrics, in our sequentially compact metric space has a convergent subsequence. And this is a principle that we may also um, recall from the Bolzano-Weierstrass theorem uh, that we had in uh, uh, yeah, previous episodes. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so this is when um, we we saw that bounded sequences in R contain convergent subsequences. Yes. And can we somehow apply this to some um, more 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 sophisticated example, maybe? Uh, yeah. So, um, for example, if we are in our in our in our um, metric space uh, R to the n then sequentially compact sets uh, are the ones that are bounded and closed. So this is one example that one can think about. Uh, okay. And if you want to build up some intuition of sequential compactness, then um, first of all, show that basically sequential compactness implies completeness. This is not very difficult. And then sequential compactness uh, is maybe also best uh, intuitively described by having not the property that there exists a sequence which is equally sparse. So imagine an infinite grid um, um, and which, which, which has um, all those elements equally sparse away from, it, from each other. Such sequences do not exist. Okay, so now we come to the proof, to the invariance proof um, of uh, the property we are hinting at in this episode. So the theorem is, if you take a function f, which is continuous and defined on a sequentially compact space, 
then the image is sequentially compact as well. Okay, so how can we prove that, Fabian? So um, we we know our function f maps its domain, which is assumed to be sequentially compact, to its image. We want to show that the image is also sequentially compact. So recalling the definition of sequential compactness, we need to start out with a sequence in the image of f and show that it has a convergent subsequence. For this, for, so we have a sequence of um, points in the image of f. To this sequence, there needs to correspond a sequence of pre-images, so a sequence of points in the domain of f. But the domain of f, we assumed to be sequentially um, compact. So we have a sequence of points in the domain, which is sequentially compact. So there needs to be a convergent subsequence in the domain. And what can we do with a convergent subsequence in the domain of a continuous function? Ah, now it rings a bell that the first property of continuous functions we had uh, discussed in this episode was convergent sequences are mapped to convergent sequences. So I take this convergent sequence, map it by F, and I get a conversion sequence in turn. Yeah. So I'm done? Yeah. So I think so. If we, if we look at the big picture, we started out with a sequence, and um, now we came out with a convergent subsequence in the image of F. And as the sequence that we started out in the image of F was an arbitrary sequence, we have shown that the image of F is um, sequentially compact. Oh, wow, case closed, perfect. So that, that is a very elementary argument. However, the notion of sequential compactness was a bit more complicated. So maybe, maybe it's time to think of this from a slightly different point of view. Can we say something more particular if we let the target space F is mapping into uh, to be just the real numbers? Yes, so uh, real-valued functions pose a great exercise and a great example for us to apply this um, abstract notion of sequential completeness and the invariance property that the continuous function brings with. Because the real numbers have an additional structure, they are ordered, we can talk about which number is bigger than another one, and also we can ask the question whether a function that takes real values takes like a the biggest value or its maximal value. Is there something like a maximal value? So, um, and this is what, well, this theorem that we now want to discuss uh, tells us precisely, namely that, um, well, it's the extreme value theorem telling us that the function f, real valued, that is defined on a sequentially compact space, takes it, its maximum. Okay. Um... So this is the theorem, and what's the proof now? So the it should uh, it should have something to do with the invariance property we discussed before. So we have a sequentially compact uh, space where f is defined on. It maps to R, which is self now. So the image of f in R is now sequentially compact. How does this help? Well. Now um, we need to choose a particular sequence in the image of f that um, that will converge to 
the maximum or the supremum of f. We know already that f has a supremum because f is real valued, but the supremum could also be, um, well, could be infinity. But now let's take this particular sequence uh, in the image of f that converges to the supremum of uh, the image of f. This sequence exists and it's a sequence of, uh, of points in, as we already discussed, a sequentially compact space. How can we now use sequential compactness here? Yes, so I can now choose a subsequence of this, which converges to an element in the image of f. Perfect. And so what do we now know about this limit? So first, we were not sure, is the supremum uh, finite or is it infinity? Ah, ah okay. So the, the, the limit we, we just uh, chose the um, convergent subsequence from, um, this needs to be a finite value because uh, it is in the image of f and f maps into the reals. So this is finite. Uh, and ah, and, and we also know that the sequence we, we, had, we, we had started out with was convergent already. So we have a convergent sequence with a subsequence that converges to a particular value. So I don't think those values can be any different, can they? No, the limits need to be uh, unique. Ah, okay, fantastic. So actually, I just uh, we just showed that the supremum of the image of f is in the image of f. And this is another way of saying that the supremum actually is a maximum. And funnily enough, you could do the same process uh, with the minimum uh, or the infimum. Uh, and so the extreme value theorem really says that maxima as well as minima are attained in the image of f. And just um, as a, a thing to put the pin in, if f wasn't just mapping into the reals, but into, into the reals which are uh, not zero, then both the maximum and the minimum can not be zero. This is something that you could uh, remember maybe for next time. Uh, so thank you very much, Fabian, for this wonderful episode. And we we'll see us next week. Bye-bye. Bye. So what did we learn today? Today we saw that continuous functions have another invariance property. They do map convergent sequences to convergent sequences, intervals to intervals and sequentially compact spaces to sequentially compact spaces. That is, the image of a sequentially compact space under a continuous map is still sequentially compact. And we applied this for the case that the image space is a subset of the reals to show that every continuous function defined on a sequentially compact space admits a minimum and a maximum in its image.